Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. A warm Collisions YYC welcome to Mr. Robert Palmer, Chief Financial Officer at the Calgary Airport Authority. How are you, Rob? I'm great this morning. Thanks, Tyler. A real pleasure to have you on. And you know, you were just chatting. We, you and I were just chatting like about other lifetimes. We had a dinner at the uh, hosted at the airport by by members of your team and your executive back before COVID. I think it was the week before COVID or two weeks about economic transformation and the role the airport authority plays in that transformation in Alberta. And we all talked about COVID that night as this like it's not going to be a North American problem. And I think within a week, we all had our worlds handed to us. And unfortunately, nobody more so than the airport authority. So I don't know, maybe you want to talk about a little bit of like the early days of COVID and what you guys even went through kind of as a business? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's hard to believe that's been about nine, 10 months now from the first part of uh, first part of March. It's It has been devastating for the airport, as you've seen and probably read. And the, the aviation industry across the world has just been decimated almost grounded to a halt in April and May. And you were talking about, we were talking about this earlier, you were talking about uh, early early March and how different things were. We had uh, a strategy board meeting the first week in March and we were, we were requested to present a black swan scenario. And what would the worst case scenario look like? And we did it and we really challenged ourselves. We went back and looked at a couple scenarios that impacted travel in the last couple of decades, one being 9-11 and the other one, the global financial crisis. So 9-11 impacted the, the, the Calgary airport. And those two events were the f- only two times in the last 20 years that we actually had negative passenger growth. 9-11 was down, let's call it 4 or 5%, but rebounded in the next couple of years. And the global financial crisis, we were down a couple percent. Um, so we really stretched ourselves. We were trying to see, as you mentioned, it hadn't really hit North America yet. We saw it coming across was in Europe. And so we said 30% reduction in traffic. Um, and we almost were laughed out of the room. Our, 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 uh, some of my colleagues and, and our board members were like, really, thanks for the black swan. And we appreciate how, how much you stretched this, but this isn't going to happen. And to your point, two weeks later, March 16th, uh, we are working from home. Um, passenger t- traffic dried up to, to next to nothing. <clears throat> For the month of April, we were down 95%. So we had 5% of our traffic that we would have had in April of 2019 and the same thing in May. So from there, it was it was all hands on deck. Just really the first three or four months was about survival. Just trying to make sure we, we, we stay open because it is such a critical uh, piece of the Alberta economy. Well, and I'll be honest, it's so easy to, t- you know, you and I joked offline, like it's easy to forget for me and I'm being, maybe just being showing my ignorance that there, it's still a business. It still has to function, but it's so easy to look at it as just part of our transportation infrastructure. And this, it's just a given. It's like, I turn on my light and I expect power to be there. I yeah. expect the airport to be there no matter what. But when you think about the reality, so just curious, when you did your 30% Black Swan event, it was based on the pandemic. If it came to, was it at that point? Like, was that what you guys were basing it on? You had there enough were- optics that something was happening? Yeah, there was a couple scenarios. We had one about a pandemic. There's when you think of an airport, there's there's a couple things that happen that could be catastrophic. One was a pandemic, and it was in front of us right now. The other is um, again, you, you talk about some of this stuff, but a crash, right? So if there's a okay, plane yeah. crash, or if there's terrorism or something like that, um, that that is another kind of event where you say runways out of commission or or something has happened back to the, the 9-11 uh, piece. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the couple scenarios we had. We also had, from a business perspective, WestJet being so important to the Calgary airport. So what happened is something terrible happened to WestJet, right? So you lose your major customer. Right. Like every, like every organization would do. So we, we use those. And it's interesting where you, you say the airport's a business. It's it, it couldn't be more true. And I think there is that perception that we're a government agency because we were at one point, 1992. Um, okay. But we are a business, and, and what we've been working hard on the last four or five years is we're a business that happens to be an airport. And so trying to change that that message a little bit, I think that's one of the reasons you, you were meeting with some people from the airport in early March was just that. If we are a business and we're actually a massive economic driver for the city of Calgary and for the province as a whole. So we really we really take that to heart, and we, we take pride in running it as a business, uh, and, and we make – of course, you've got your safety and security mandate, which which is the utmost important. But the other part of our mandate is economic growth for the region, and, and we take that very seriously. So, as far as when the first part of of, um, of the pandemic and how it hit us, it, we we did take it as a business. So, just like your or your own business or anyone else has been impacted by it, what do we need to do? What has happened? We looked at our financials. Our revenues basically disappeared. We had hundreds of people come to the airport a day versus tens of thousands. Um, it was catastrophic. And I can't, I'll say it. We, we use the word unprecedented. I stopped saying it now because I use it so much, but <laughs> it, was, it was hard to believe we get our daily passenger numbers. And for the first week or two, we, we triple checked them. Are these right? This can't be right. Um, and it was. And so we, we did everything a business would do. We, we um, reduced our cost. We shuttered parts of the airport. Unfortunately, we had to lay people off. Um, one of the first calls I had um, was uh, to our lender. So like most businesses, they've got a, a somebody who's lent the money. So we called our lender and said, this is going to be rough and we're going to need your help to get through this. And our, our lender actually is the province of Alberta and they've been, they've been fantastic and very supportive, but there were some pretty tense conversations. So I can, I, I can, I can, I can only imagine. And so just curious, like from a, from just giving context, again, so many things to easily take for granted. What would be like on a peak day for you guys when things were humming, what would be typical passenger traffic through the airport? What would be like, just give us a range. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. We talked about that peak day because normally I'll, I'll digress for a second. Normally this time of year, we're getting ready to put out a, an announcement saying airports can be extremely busy, get there early. Yeah. Um, we would see 50,000 people a day. Um, okay. And so usually the busy, August is always our busiest month. Uh, but in, in December, we usually have our busiest day. So it's because it's, 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 comp- it's compressed and the summer we're traveling for the month, right. but in Christmas we're traveling for an event. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we'd see 50,000 pastors come through in a day um, right up until around Christmas. And then just again, around New Year's. So this year we've seen traffic improve a little bit. So we'll see about 10,000 passengers in our peak day this year. There were times in in April and May where we saw two thousand passengers, um, and so it was or less. And so it was again. It, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to believe. You look back and say, "Wow, did that actually happen?" <laughs> Someone, you're, you're going to have a new leadership team somewhere five years down the road, or someone's going to come in and they're going to look back and be like, "What?" Like they're going to. It'll be a tendency to almost want to ignore that data because it's such an outlier. <laughs> it, it will absolutely right, and we actually were talking about that when a leadership kind of a review a couple of days ago and, and and that was some of it five years from now we're going to look back on this and see how we responded and lots of good things obviously lots of lessons learned but it's one of those 
uh, one of those events that uh, every hundred years, I guess, that's going to test you. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, the left, a left hook followed by an uppercut followed by an elbow. <laughs> if you want, if you want to use getting beaten up analogy, absolutely. You know, a, a, a pandemic and a down and a downturn in our economy and an oil and and a, and, yes. a, and, a, and, a, and a price war. So, how many? Uh, what's the like from an employer perspective? How many people go to work at the airport every day? Because you guys are a big contributor to the region yeah. in terms of jobs. Absolutely. From an economic perspective, we there's some stats we like to quote. It, it's about eight billion dollars of GDP that the airport generates 50,000 direct and indirect jobs. And it's, it's, it, yeah. And it's interesting because that at a point in time, let's say before, unfortunately we had to shrink. We, we were only about 350 people that truly work for the airport. So a lot of people you see at the airport, the people at security, um, the, of course the airlines, the, the customs, all the people that work at the um, concessions and the retails, retail stores, those are all, independent folks right and so if you look at our campus as a whole we're at 5300 acres and we have an immense amount of business across our campus we call it our campus and that you, you take the 5300 acres in terminal and off terminal that's about uh, 50,000 jobs and the other thing people don't know is we're we're one of it goes back and forth but usually number one or number two property taxpayer in in calgary so it's always, oh, okay. it's always a debate between, not debate, but it's always a race between, uh, which neither one of us want to win. But between, <laughs> I was just, I was going to say that's a race where everybody, everybody wants to come second or maybe fourth if they can. Uh, and Chinook and Chinook Mall are usually the top taxpayers in the, in the city. Well, so let's talk about two industries that were hit hard during that, you know, retail and the world of, of, you know, walk and buy retail versus, you know, sit and click retail, which we, which we live in now. Uh, wow. So from your guys' perspective out of that 50,000, do you have a perspective of how many, like did the bulk of that get shuttered from a job perspective? Because again, concessions aren't open. Yeah. Guys, people that are providing services to putting, bringing food to the airlines, like everything you can think of that makes, gets that plane in the air and has, lets it function got stopped along with it. Absolutely. And especially stuff related around, because the, the campus being so large, we do have some diverse industries. So some of them weren't directly related to to uh, to the airline or to the aviation industry, but I would say, from our perspective, we 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 unfortunately had to lay off about thirty percent of our, our staff, and that is a pretty common number we heard either from the hotels, the, the food and beverage retailers, and we all would have okay, heard thirty percent. Yeah, and we would have heard some did more, some did less, but you already heard the stories and the and the, and the news releases about WestJet, the significant reduction that they've taken. Um, so. It has it, it impacted just about everything, our car rentals, our taxi companies, uh, our park aid is pretty much empty. Actually, for now, we actually have most of our employees parking in our park aid because um, we wanted to close some of our, our surface lots so we don't have to do the snow removal and, and some of the, the maintenance. So we just close it off and save some money. Make well, you pivot and adjust, you know, provide value where you can, and then save save where you can. Exactly. You guys are just really a true example. If you think of the hub and spoke, and such an easy thing to say, but you know, Earthland business, you go where the people are. So you guys are are there to steward this flow of people and all the auxiliary businesses that surround us as humans to get us get us what we need to do the things we need to do. And if you remove the you remove the humans from that chain, there's it falls apart almost literally. What portion of your business would be like through that fifty? 300. I'm just thinking about parcels and shipping and all the transportation that goes on. Cause I think that's something also you don't, we just don't see 
as individuals. I think about myself putting my bum in a seat and going so, someplace. Yeah. But man, this steady stream of packages that I'm watching being delivered up and down my street, some of those are coming in by plane, some by truck, some by train. I'm assuming you guys play a big part in that as well. We do. And that's the other side of the story. And so from a passenger perspective, like we've talked about the dramatic drop, but from the cargo side, it's actually been a good news story. And to your point, there was at the beginning, it was delivering PPE. Um, so getting the masks in, getting the ventilators in, uh, and the gaps and such. So that was huge. And then the last six months or so has been all about the packages. So the online e-commerce. Um, we've got we, here in Calgary, we're quite fortunate um, from an uh, airport perspective. We've got a, a tremendous infrastructure for cargo. We've got all the major couriers, UPS, FedEx, Purelater. They're all here. Um, and we've got some dedicated freight companies too as well. The Cargo Jet's probably our largest one out of, out of Toronto. And, and they've all provided um, a much higher level of service and much more volume. We've seen double-digit growth in our cargo. Um, oh, okay. Oh, that's a silver. That's a silver. Well, you think if you look at back of just like consumer behavior and how that shifted, all those packages have to come from somewhere, which is exactly. another big question of like well, how sustainable that is over time from a footprint and just efficiency perspective. But yeah, yeah, and I would say we we have the stat that we like to quote is about seventy five percent of the air cargo comes through Calgary through YYC. So we really are the entryway into Alberta, and I would say also the interior BC and the, and the Prairie Provinces. Uh, most of it comes through Calgary, um, and then it gets interesting from there. I've had someone on this show. I can't, I can't remember who it was. Actually, they said like one of the sometimes the most unseen and maybe uncelebrated industries in our in our province that are bigger than what most people realize is transportation and logistics. Absolutely. That's so much of the role that Calgary plays, being that we're this landlocked, but we provide this hub and spoke model for transportation and logistics to kind of shoot out, and that it just goes on, and we really don't know it's happening when you think about the volume or the economic impact that it actually has on Western Canada. No, very much so. And, and that's why the airport, uh, with a lot of foresight about 10, 15 years ago, really made a, a conscious effort to invest into our facilities. So it is easier for those cargo operators to come in and out. Historically, airports haven't been very nice to cargo providers because it's always been about the passenger. So they're fighting right. for space, they're, they're congesting mm-hmm. the runways, and they're the furthest away. Um, but what we did is we have a dedicated apron and a dedicated area of of the airports are north northwest and west side is is pretty much dedicated 100% to cargo and to couriers so we've we've made it a lot easier for them to operate here and we hear that all the time back from our from our customers from the cargo guys that it's a great airport to operate at because they do have their dedicated facilities and they don't have to to fight with the passenger carriers interesting so when you think about you know, all you, 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 you guys as a business have so many different customers slash stakeholders slash partners. Like it probably just depends what word you want to use. You've got your passengers, which is the one we all see. And let's be honest for the majority of us, that's, that's our experience. But when you think about all of these other, you know, stakeholders that you have, you guys have a lot of people to keep happy, but, and also be making the right decisions so that you get the, that feedback that you just share. Like that doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> Not at all. And that's the, people ask why you like work, why I like working at the airport. I've worked at a real estate companies. I've worked at. I've worked at an airline. I've worked at a uh, consumer package slash beer company. So I've had some really good experiences. But the airport is it's even different than an airline because, and you've said it is. We have we're probably about half a dozen businesses under one roof. Hmm. And I'm fortunate in my role today. I'm also I'm a CFO, but I'm also head of commercial. Um, so I I get to see that firsthand. So all those partners and customers you talked about. Um, we get to deal with and it. it is fascinating and 
lot of people say this that every day is a different day, but I can tell you for sure for me, <laughs> every day is a different day. I could, I could look back at my day and say, well, okay, I've, I've been working with our parking providers or the new hotels that were being built, uh, or we're working from a financial perspective to get some additional debt. I also have strategy planning and IT. So like I've got the gamut and, and it, it really allows you to do so many different neat things under one roof, which is, it's pretty unique and pretty rare. Absolutely. To be that, yeah. And to be able to that engage with like literally solving real-time problems with multiple partners and multiple yeah. clients from, from I'm building an, a, a hotel to, I want to, you know, my, I'm having problems with my depot around shipping to, exactly. of course, the, the, of course, us, us as passengers who can be a fickle bunch. Let's, let's be honest. We won't name names, but like, we know it's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're, we're a mini mall, like we're a real estate company, we're an airport, uh, but there's uh, there's a lot of different businesses there. That's pretty fascinating. Well, that's so, you know, I think it's really good just from an audience part uh, ha- the show is about exposing people to things that they just don't know about that's going on in Alberta that contribute to economic transformation. And when I originally met you guys back in March and obviously COVID kind of put a pause on it, I was anxious to get you back on the show. One, selfishly, I always joke, selfish audience of one over here, learning about what actually goes on behind the scenes in a business and, and, and the role it can play in our economic transformation. So when you guys are thinking about, you know, what next, obviously you're still working through survive. <laughs> the black swan happened, but it's kind of, they're still, they're still flying over. Let's be honest that yeah. that flock hasn't gone away. Um, but when it comes to the future of Alberta, when you look at where things are headed economically and where the airport can be a supporting, you know, a supporting actor to that, as well as be part of it, I guess, what are you starting? If we start to blue sky this a little bit, maybe look in a different direction, I guess, how do you guys, how far out are you guys planning? And is, is that like really deeply aligned with the province, with businesses? Just curious about that process on your guys' side. Po- yeah. Post-pandemic, I guess, let's be clear. Yeah, no, post-pandemic, whenever that may be. We, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, we... From an airport perspective, we, we have plans from 5, 10 to 20 years. <clears throat> but if we think about the recovery, we're really focusing on the next five years. And so what, what does that look like? And that's we've, we turned our attention to that pretty quickly. Once we got ourselves somewhat stabilized, we, we really started to focus on what does the next five years look like. We, we've been talking internally. Um, 2020 happened. COVID happened. It, it's going to be a bit symbolic, but the, the clock will turn. The calendar will flip and we'll be 2021. And then for us, it's it's about not quite back business to usual, but it happened. Let's deal with it. Let's move on. And how do we start making sure we move forward? So that's going to really be our mindset as we as we take into 2021. And we're we're we think the airport has a huge part to play in in the economic recovery of of Alberta, specifically Calgary and Alberta. It is, and we've talked about it, it is such an important connectivity tool, especially Calgary. Calgary. I think has really served this area. The YYC has really served this area quite well. We have the highest, we did anyways, the highest seat per capita. So we had more seats per person than any other airport in Canada. And so you think about that and you're saying, oh, well, maybe we're overserved, but it just means that the, the people here have so many more different options, not only from a leisure perspective, but if we turn it back to the business, we yeah. work very closely with CED um, and we work jointly to, to try to bring, um, head offices into Calgary and create those jobs and diversification of our economy. <clears throat> Usually one of the top one or two or three things is what's your airport like? Um, right. Where is it in relation to downtown and what is the connect direct flight connectivity to major centers across the world? And we had 80 direct flights or direct, yeah, direct flights again, pre COVID. Um, and then <clears throat> when we added, when West added Atlanta, that was what, 
there's a bunch of places, but if you think about adding Atlanta, Atlanta is the busiest airport in the world. So one flight to yes. Atlanta. Because it's literally the hub of everywhere. Every airline kind of has a, has exactly. their base there. And it's, yeah. it's a crazy airport. I remember the first time I'm like, I'm going from A to C or A to D. I'll just walk. And I'm like, oh, this is an hour walk. Like, I did not think that through. <laughs> well, in that kind of thing, like you think about one stop, you can get anywhere in the world. We had three flights going to London, three, a couple, one flight going to Frankfurt. We had Amsterdam. Um, and so there was a lot of connectivity to, to the world, and that was really a big part of it. And Calgary is a, also a massive connecting airport. I'd say 40, even through the pandemic, 30 to 40% of our traffic is connecting traffic. So it doesn't start or end here. It's coming from Vancouver or Toronto or Edmonton yeah. or Saskatoon and then off somewhere else. So again, bringing those people through, um, it's it's a significant part and we take a lot of pride in that and we work very closely with uh, Alberta Tourism, the Calgary Tourism, Banff Lake Louise, the businesses downtown, CED, um, to really make sure we're doing our part uh, to, so we can uh, continue to move and help recovery of, of, of the economy that is in desperate need of a recovery. I really appreciate the customer centricity side of like removing friction, but now let's apply it to tourism and you know travel leisure. But let's also apply it. You think about it, I'm a I'm deciding I'm a global company and I'm deciding about putting an office or a head office or a major decision in Calgary. The logistics of how easy it is to get my people in and out, especially again with the old mindset. I know with the future business travel will come back. I think the world will look different. And again, my crystal ball is a little a little cloudy on that one. <laughs> but when you think about the, your opportunity to be the underpinning and to kind of smooth the way for all those different factors, because you're right, if like oh, Calgary's a great place and good real estate and good people. Oh, but the airport doesn't work that well. Right. That's going to be a big deterrent, especially when people are used to traveling and looking at things globally. Yeah, and we, and we again, we take, mm. I'll say this a lot, but we take that to heart and we, we try to say frictionless. And now the word is contactless. So how do we make, <laughs> Yes, it used to be about when, 12 months ago, 8, 15 months ago, was about how do we provide a great guest experience? We'll call them guests. Um, some of that would have been um, high touch, right? How do you make sure that yeah. feeling um, feeling welcomed and safe and secure and comfortable? And now it's really going to flip on the edge. And you think, and you talk about what are we doing to help that recovery? And that's really where we're looking at too: is how do we make our place as efficient as possible with as few touch points as possible? And we, we well, be, well, well, feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Correct, exactly. So if you need someone or you need you need um, some support, it's always there, but. What we're seeing more and more is people just want to walk through the doors, park their car, walk through the door, um, check in, go through security, uh, and get to their gate. Maybe have some uh, a drink or some sandwich or something, but with minimal contact. Yeah. So that's how we're starting to change our operation is is really leveraging technology even more than we did in the past to provide that experience. And I think it will be changing. You said business travel will come back, and absolutely will. We feel leisure, domestic traffic will be the first to come back. We already mm-hmm. see it. Calgary is it's always been a high domestic. A portion of our traffic has been always high domestic. We are about seventy percent of the passengers in in YYC were domestic, thirty percent outside mm-hmm. of Canada. Now we're about ninety five percent. So it, it, it's it's a good thing in today's world because domestic traffic is. It's, it's small, but it's still there. It's a lot easier to travel within Canada than, yes. than, than coming in from outside. So, 
Well, and I think from an economic perspective, like we're traveling places, but hopefully people are going to be traveling here as well. Like getting back that tourism movement and keeping those dollars inside Canada, for sure. sure. As much as I I do know a handful of people that are doing everything they can to try to escape right now to Mexico or somewhere warm over the holidays. Yeah. So maybe talk a little bit about the pilot program. Is it a pilot or is now, is it is the the, the rapid testing protocol you guys put in place for COVID? Because that's not at every airport. I talked to someone, I was talking to uh, Scott Gravel, the head of Atabotics, and he talked to me about getting back from Seattle but he usually flew Seattle to Vancouver and then in, but he would have had to do the 14 days. So he actually went to, I think, Minneapolis just so he could get a direct flight into Calgary from the US so he could experience the rapid testing and make his, like, just from his overall experience of his life. And I was like, I never thought about it that way. Like, I had to come from the States to, Cal- to Calgary specifically so I could take advantage of this great of this great system that you guys have put in place. Yeah, and interesting. Scott's a great example of, um, Scott's a great guy and we work closely with him and he's a great example of how we're helping to diversify the economy, right? So, Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I had a really good, I haven't aired his episode yet, but him and I had a chat this week. He is a, yeah, that was one of my, that was a good, that was a good chat. He's got a lot going on. Really interesting story there. Yeah, he sure is. And so they, they, the, so there's a couple of things. I'll probably back up before I answer the trial question, but when we, okay. we think about travel coming back, we think of, there's three key things. Actually, there's one overarching thing is people need to feel safe again. Right. So that is the biggest, well, of course there's restrictions in place, but I think even when the restrictions come down, People are going to need to feel safe before they really come back in any earnest. And there's a couple of things that will help with that. Um, you've talked about the testing. So getting on a plane and going through an airport to make feel comfortable that you're not going to catch COVID. Um, and then and then what's happening now is the vaccine, right? That's all obviously the game changer. That will make people feel a lot safer. But what we're trying to do in the interim is, as you mentioned, this trial. And then really, we've got to give the credit to the provincial government and the federal government. So... Our provincial government put up their hand to say, what can we do to trial something to show that travel is safe? Uh, and, and PHAC, the federal government, and AHS from the provincial side, they worked together. And, <clears throat> and it was the only jurisdiction in Canada that was actually willing to do this. Ontario now oh, okay. wants to jump on. But um, so, again, some leadership on our side uh, from a government perspective to, to try to get this moving and <clears throat> the trial is only available at YYC, and there's actually that's true. And through the air, it's only through YYC. The Coots Border Landing is also doing it as well. Okay. And, and so what's happening is if you are coming into Calgary, into YYC, you have to come in direct from outside the country. That's probably what Scott was talking about. So mm-hmm. you have to land. So you can't you can't go Cancun, Vancouver, Calgary. That won't work. You yeah. got to go Cancun, Calgary. And so. As a result of that, it's it's an optional or voluntary program. You have to kind of elect to go in. There's a bunch of forms you got to fill out, stuff you got to do online. And then once you land, you go through customs. You come out and you basically take a right, and you'll get a you'll get a COVID test there. And it's a little bit of a misperception is that it's a rapid test. It's rapid in the sense that you get it right there at the airport, but it's the same test you'll get anywhere. It's not okay. the antigen test, I think they call it. So it's it's the swab. So you get that. You, then you go home and isolate until you get your results. So usually within 24 to 48 hours, you'll get an mm-hmm. email uh, or a text saying, you've, hopefully you've tested negative. You're, you're essentially free to go. There's a couple of little things. You can't leave the province. You have to stay in the province for 14 days. And you're, okay. required, you're required to take another test at a, at a shopper's um, around day six or day seven after your return. And okay. so, But other than that, and if you test negative again, then your quarantine is officially over. Other than that, it's it, it's really helped. Uh, like so, that's the that's the 
the overview of the uh, of the program. It's it's working quite well, and we've seen the next question will be: Have you seen a benefit from this? And uh, and we and we think we have. We've seen WestJet increase um, frequency and, and and destinations. Air Canada has come back and started flying internationally. They've got some Mexico flights and some Hawaii flights. Before this trial, those flights didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. It was introduced, and you know that it takes a while for people to book and then ultimately travel. So we should start seeing the impact of that um, in the, in the coming weeks. Just right about now, you said some people are. are Okay. Yeah. I've got friends in Hawaii right now. My friends just came back from Mexico. Uh, my friend just came back. He said it was, it was seamless. And like him and I, we joke because both of us traveled quite frequently, business and pleasure prior. And I haven't traveled since the summer. I did do domestic, but it was a fantastic experience. The yeah. airport was streamlined. The security was fast. Yeah. Like it, I, I, I tell to people, people like, oh, it's a terrible time to travel. I'm like, I'll be honest. It's actually probably the safest yes. and the smoothest. Like I'll, I flew back from Toronto the week before and I was on Friday night flying out of TO at 6 p.m. So you know what that flight's yes, like. It was a gong show. It was yep. oversold, screaming kids everywhere, which nothing against kids, but screaming kids on a flight. We all know how that makes us feel. <laughs> and then flying in July to Montreal to spend some time with family. It was it was amazing. It was such a it felt almost luxurious. <laughs> and the plane felt clean and safe. Like I, I I really encourage anyone if you need to. And if you don't, I get understand personal safety. But as far as what the you guys had done and the airlines had done, I think everybody really stepped up to try to to, to try to provide exactly what you said, a safe environment. Yeah, and that's it. I, I, that's the thing that I'm pretty proud of the industry is they've been absolutely rocked and devastated, but they've done everything and invested millions of dollars in safety. And I don't think there's a safer place than a plane or an airport. Once you get off those two things, it's a different story. But for when I talk to people and they ask me, is it safe to fly? I say 100%. There, there is no issue to fly. There's no issue being in an airport. It's it's like anything else is how we started, started the conversation a bit when we we're off about um, the kind of self-induced user errors. When you get to where you're going, what are you doing? Right? So yeah. being irresponsible there, then well, that's, that's a challenge. And we've seen stats galore that less than two percent of um of the infections are coming from travel it's all community-based right now yeah no and i i think it dispelled an interesting you know the, the classic germ tube myth that we've all heard a million times i watched i think it was boeing engineers put out something and obviously they have their own challenges uh in the last couple of years with with uh with with issues and persona but they put out a great video and like let's explain how air is circulated in a plane and let's explain how we clean like how it actually works and unless it's maybe the person in your row or the person beside you you're not breathing everybody's air but i don't know for years that 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 urban legend just got perpetrated and perpetrated so i think there were some things that actually came out that were good to say oh by the way, that was never true or certainly has not been true for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think it ever was true. And now <laughs> that fair enough. It's just more important. And they actually took the time to, as you said, explain because there's urban legends, the myths and whatever. So we cycled there and um, that was never the case. But even more so now they've gone to the next level of, of the cleaning and, and uh, the complete yeah. infected every single time um, the plane switches over. Yeah, which again, I'm always choosing to look at, but there's a lot of things that come out of COVID and we've learned a lot and let's try to capitalize on it and go forward. Aside yeah. from the fact that obviously it was hugely negative experience, but yeah. the negative, the black swan happened. Let's try to make as much good out of it as we can. That's, that's where the choice, no choice comes in, right? Correct. Absolutely. 
So when you start looking, I really appreciate the context of really understanding the role that, that the airport plays and that it, it is a business and it is, a, you know, one, it's a huge employer. It's a huge taxpayer. You know, it plays a huge part in even allowing Western Canada to be on the map for companies to locate here because they have access to cargo. They have access to shipping, inbound, outbound, like people, th- those things are so critical to, you know, if I'm, you and I are, are you know, see two CEOs sitting around going, or maybe a CEO and a CFO. And we're going, where do, where do we go next? Those are all the checkboxes that if they're not checked, that, 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 that jurisdiction goes off the list immediately. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's what we hear from CD all the time. And I mentioned earlier is that connectivity and that. So you mentioned the cargo and everything else. And it's even just getting their people in and out. Like, cause when you're relocating, you don't know where you're relocating from and they want to be able to either see their customers or get back to wherever they want to go. They want to do it. It doesn't have to take all day. So it is so important, such a lifeline for the economic um, vitality of the, of the province and of the city. Well, it makes us viable or not. Like right. it's literally, it either is or it isn't. Um, when it, lots of stuff, and maybe this is more airline related questions, but obviously your world probably has pretty, pretty close interlap with, you know, you guys aren't an airline, but yet you are, you are all, you're all sharing the same dorm room together. Uh business travel not coming back and business travel being such a backbone to the aviation industry. And even just like that overall as a concept and maybe even just on a broader base, what, like, what do you see for travel in terms of, is this a five-year recovery? Like out of those two things, like what, what, what's the future of that look like for, for, for that industry? Yeah. And, you, and I think we've, we talked about five years, but we think in business travel, we feel it. And we, we do a lot of research. We talk to a lot of people. We're in very close contact with, uh, with our airline partners, WestJet being our, our largest customer just across the tarmac, but we, we talk to your candidate all the time as well. And they have a, it's, it's pretty much consensus. We're hope we're wrong, but it's, it's going to be five years and, and okay. the leisure is going to come back soon. There's a lot of pent up, in, a lot of pent up demand. And we probably see it as steps, right? Where something changes, uh, the, the vaccine is widely successful and some restrictions come down. All of a sudden we're going to see a big surge, a bunch of people yeah. be traveling. And then it'll flatten out and then business will come back. The challenge with the business travel is stuff that we're doing, right? A lot of people are, are doing stuff remotely or, or through, um, or, or through um, Teams or Google or whatever it may be. So does that replace some of the in-person meetings? It probably will replace some, but it, I think you know as well as I do, you can't. There's nothing that replaced the in-person piece. Yeah, we're still we're still humans, and humans do interact like as as one to one. Instead of ten trips, maybe you're taking seven. Who knows? Yeah. Right? So that's to be determined. And so so we'll see what that looks like. And the other part of it is that the the economic or the financial devastation that COVID has caused is a lot of organizations are just fighting for survival. So there yeah. isn't that quote unquote discretionary money for travel. And so that'll take a little bit longer. We think, and that's why we also think the the leisure will come back a little quicker. There's been a lot of devastation there too, but you read all the stats that there's more money saved than ever. Yes. Um, yeah. And so people are going to want to get out and get a little squirrely. If we have to go through another winter, it'll be like, Oh my God, I need to go somewhere. That was one of the beautiful things about, is one of the beautiful things about living in Calgary is, yeah, we get some tough winters, but you hop on a plane in three hours, you're in Palm Springs. And so yeah, it's yes. like, okay, I can make the winter. This isn't so bad. So, but for us, we think it's five years. We're using 2019 as the high water mark. It was a record year. It was 18 million passengers. Um, and we are on our way to 20 million. Uh, and again, of course, that changed. But we'll be about just under 6 million passengers this year. We think next year, seven, seven and a half million passengers. We're being pretty conservative. So again, we hope we're wrong. 
But we got all the way out to 2024-ish by the time we get back to 18 million passengers. And there's a lot of variability when you go that far out. Uh, right. But we, we think the seven, seven and a half million, well, I like using this stat for context, the, the, the kind of the six to seven million passengers, that was the number of passengers going through YYC in 1995. Oh, that's an interesting comparison. Bro. Right. And so because I give people numbers and they're like, yeah, right. but if you put it back to a year, so this was 20 plus years ago, we had this many people going through the airport. And that, yeah. 25. Yeah. 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> a couple, I, like that's like a few lifetimes in there. Well, this year felt like a bunch of lifetimes. Exactly. And so that really hits all of people how, how much their passenger traffic has dropped. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. And you, you can talk to the airlines. They'll give you the same stat of how many people day um, compared to where they were in 2019. So that's what we see. It's it's going to be a, a grind and um, we don't think it's a quick fix. That's the other thing we talked about when I started up those black swans was other events recovered pretty quickly, relatively speaking. Um, we think this one's going to take a little bit longer just because it was so pervasive across. There wasn't one part of the world that hasn't been impacted by this, especially from travel. Yeah, never, never have we been all brought to our knees together like this. Like you know, even interesting to hear or five percent because I remember the you know I w- I was in the aviation industry and working my way into the industry back when nine eleven happened, and in my, from my viewpoint, like from a pilot's perspective, the industry was devastated at that time after nine eleven. And to hear you say that was only a four to five percent decline, like to put that into context of that was what that was the old version of devastating what it looked like, and it was and five percent decline versus ninety five percent. I can't even like. Sounding like you're talking about the same thing. <laughs> that makes sense. And that's when we did our, our like, we, we use those. And even early on, everybody used those as the um, as the benchmark and, and how mm-hmm. relatively quickly those came back. But it was it was soon determined that we need to throw those out the window because this is a yeah. different ball of wax. And it ain't coming back quick. So we got there pretty quickly to say, yes, that was one one mark we could, we could measure ourselves against. But... To your point, five percent versus ninety-five, not quite the same thing. Well, you're not even you're not even playing on the same you're not even on the same field. It's not even the same game. Like you can't even use the same analogy. Different games. Hey, so when you uh, go to your board now and you give them predictions, do they accuse you of sandbagging or do they actually believe you now? (laughs) They're actually at a place. You you don't have to answer that, Rob, if you don't want to. No, for sure. But it's interesting. Now they're at a place. Are you being conservative enough? Right. So it's the opposite. It's like okay, but no, we got a great board and, and. They've been invaluable through this. They've, they've provided us a lot of insight. Most of them are business owners themselves, so they've, they've they're experiencing it as well. And so um, they've, they've been really good through this. And we've, as an organization, like you talked about a bit earlier of um, some of the things that will come out of this. And one of them for us is we've gotten us unfortunately had to get smaller, but I think we've gotten to be a tighter, more cohesive aligned group. It, there is okay. um, mm-hmm. there is something out of this that, that never wastes a, a, a crisis. And even with our board, we've become a lot more, uh, I think, aligned. Not that we were never misaligned, but again, a crisis brings you together. And we were providing updates on a much more regular basis and constant contact. And, and it's allowed us to pause because there's lots of time to pause and really think about what, what how are we going to come out of this? And we're mm-hmm. really looking at how do we we have to come out of it different is, is what we've said. And we're trying to figure out what are those ways we've got some of them figured out, but there was a little time where we thought, okay, let's just bat down hatches in four months. We're back to normal. And again, that, that hasn't happened. So now it's really, we can't come back the same. We have to be different. We have to 
look at things. We've got to be more efficient. We've got to have better processes. And when traffic does come back, how can we keep the level of efficiency so so we don't have to have that same step in costs, right? So we can be efficient, we can be competitive, and we can be an attractive place for airlines to fly. So that's been a lot of ours. We think the next five plus years, <clears throat> how do we get the most of our assets and utilize them, optimize them? That's really been a focus for us as we as we look forward. Oh, I really love, and I've said that you know that that don't waste a good crisis, and I have lots of guests say it. There's that opportunity we spend before. It was so easy to just keep trying to like almost build a better mousetrap or just keep looking at our like looking at our problems and our paradigm the same way where this has given us a chance or not a choice to go well what if we just thought of this whole area differently and you know you don't get disrupted by necessarily trying to make the same thing go a little bit better sometimes you have to reframe the whole problem of what you're actually trying to solve and I I see a lot of businesses doing that and I like what you said about like the collaboration and the synergy and alignment that happened because in in, in past times it was easy to look down the table and blame so and so you made a bad decision you got us here three years ago and you made the decision. We're just going to fire you and maybe not even fix the problem. We'll just deal with that. Uh, oversimplifying, but this was like, I had some oil and gas guys on and like, Tyler, we used to have a playbook. That playbook got burned and then it got thrown out and then it got driven over and then it was gone and we we're starting over. So when you ask me about the future, I'm figuring it out as I go. And that's a humble thing for a leader to, to, to be able to even have to say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for us, uh, leadership is it's always important, but more important than ever. And I, I think the uh, the engagement and buy-in for the entire organization is 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 happened as well, right? So they, uh, we're all going through this together. To your point, it's not a department over here that's struggling, that's that's screwing up, if you will. It's yep. no one is, and we've said this all along. This isn't a result of mismanagement or miss or bad operations or bad business decisions. This is a pandemic, and it's impacted the entire world. So it's not it's not. A result of that. So, but to your point, what can we do to come out of this stronger on the other side? Because we will have to be stronger on the other side. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you think of just the way consumer behaviors are shifting, and like you said, what they they wanted they wanted frictionless, but now they want touchless. And right. like, how are those two? And then all the emerge. Let's, let's not forget all the emerging technologies that are coming and slamming into every business. And I say slamming because it's exciting, but it's also really overwhelming. And you know, a, a business like the airport, you guys have been doing what you've been doing forever and just constantly trying to make it better, these emerging technologies show up. And oftentimes it really just like, you have to relook at a whole workflow before you can even think about these technologies. But yet they sound like the shiniest tools ever and you can't wait to use them. But the the impact that can have on larger businesses with the amount of stakeholders you have, nothing is, nothing's taken lightly, but you've got to make decisions overnight at the same time. I guess that's a tough paradigm for any business. Yeah, for sure. And you think about it for the airport, you, you, we've talked about how many customers or stakeholders we have. It's, like you said, we're half a dozen businesses. So we make one decision over here and, and the ripple effect is, is massive on some other one. It could be some unintended consequences. So you do have to think that through. Absolutely. Yes. That, to, to extrapolate that graph out far enough conceptually in your mind of something you've never even tried before. I guess that's, that's why you get to sit in the leadership seat, but it's not, it, it doesn't minimize that it's hard, it's hard to do and it's hard to pull off. But I, I agree. Don't waste, let's not waste this opportunity to, to build a silver lining. Uh, Rob, I really appreciated one, the transparency again, myself learning so much more about really understanding and uh, respect for the airport, but really deep down in the layers and the, and the, and the hooks that you guys have into our economy and our transformation, not only as a city, but as a province, it's, I think it's a, it's a good perspective and maybe we can all pay a little more respect to this. This fifty three hundred, you know, uh, square foot campus sitting out like the part of the city that just kind of does its thing, <laughs> but not by accident. Clearly, yeah. No, I appreciate that too. And we we always love the opportunity to um, to make to to tell that story. 
and, and to, make, to make sure people know that we're we're we, we are a bit we're in the northeast, a bit of an island, but we 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 strive hard to make sure we're playing our part, uh, not only before as an economic driver, but in the recovery. And we want to continue to make Calgary the the best place to live, the best place to invest, the best place to work. And we feel we've got a, a part to play in that, so we take again we take a lot of pride in it. I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for thank you for the work you do and the role you do play in our city. And thanks so much for coming on, Rob. I really enjoyed your candor and just like having a good old-fashioned chat. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. My pleasure. All the best. All right, you too. Take care.